respect to the people of the Woi Wurrung and Bun Wurrung language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nations on whose unceded lands the SIN office and studios stand. SIN Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. SIN Media also acknowledges the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches and on which SIN partner organisations stand. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to another wonderful episode of Raise a Platform on SIN. Today we are talking about two very interesting topics. The first one is applications who these days often encourage you and say that they will support you with your accessibility needs which sort of in may makes you sort of admit or talk about your disability on the job application and whether these applications are actually accessible or done in a way that makes people feel comfortable another topic is actually a story from 2018 where um a local comedian made a comedy routine in a way mocking her autistic son and I think that's a very important thing to talk about even today as this comedian has become slightly more famous and more prominent in the Australian comedy scene. So today I have to um, submit an application for um, it's for a, um, the She Writes Collective at Theatre Work for me to work as a dramaturg and assist one of the writers as part of the She Writes Collective. It's for women and non-binary identified people. And I have been writing an application. One of the most interesting parts they put on the application was accessibility needs. And they had me choose what I needed. And I've put done for my course once you're very clear and explanatory. I struggle to understand instructions and vague information. And I put them that I have autism and my autism is at a level of severity where it does impact my ability to function. However, I feel that the way they have written this is that this is often done as a way to sort of make people feel more confident with their disabilities and make them disabled people who are considering applying to feel more comfortable disclosing a disability and asking for their accessibility needs. However, a lot of people, a lot of friends feel that these sort of applications where you are encouraged to sort of disclose your disability and talk about how, it, how you are able to have your disability is very much can actually make people feel a bit unsafe as many people feel that they still are not in a position where they can disclose their disability because of the amount of discrimination that these disabilities often lead to in our society and i feel that with these applications disclose my disability i'm disclosing it to the theater industry and the theater um, sector which has a very long history of ableism and using disabled people as props I still feel that I don't think that no matter how much we try to destigmatize autism in the theatre community I feel that I will never ever feel like my disability is just anything but seen as being very hard to reduce a stigma from and I feel that no matter what I do the stigma of my disability will always be there and I feel that I will always face discrimination and I will always face people looking at autism on my application and I have adequately 
discuss my autism on my application, I feel that it is still going to be a big boogeyman that people are just not going to want to face and are not going to want to deal with. And I feel that this has made me feel like I am not safe disclosing my disability, no matter how accessible organisations put themselves out as. And I think that the people who are going to be chosen are still going to be those who are able-bodied and have not mentioned their disability on their application and have not put any additional accessibility needs that they may or may not have. And I just think that whilst that makes me feel very sad and very angry, it is something that I feel that the theatre industry and any sort of industry that um, exists, they all have ties to ableism, they all came from very ableist background and I think they all are unable to shake the ableism of the past and I think that it is very 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 good these organizations are trying to be more accessible and they are listening to disabled people and they're actively encouraging disabled people to to join I just think that disabled people are never ever going to feel that their disability is anything but a hindrance to their ability to be chosen the application is being sent in without any interviews, so I'm not being interviewed until I reach the second stage. So the application is being read before the interview, and I think that they're going. I just think that by putting these accessibility needs, and I'm just going to have a bunch of assumptions made about me that are probably untrue and just going to hinder my ability to be chosen. And I feel that. Having the word autism, it's just going to be on the application. It's just going to be like, it's just going to be what is read first, what is considered when the entire application is read, and what is thought about last. And it's probably going to be what makes or breaks my application. Today I'm talking about something that is deeply personal to me. It is an application I'm putting in to be a be to be a dramaturg and work with some amazing women at Theatre Works. So as part of the application, I adequately discussed how my disability impacts my dramaturgy and how it affects me when I'm working with others. And I feel that I have to be upfront, I have to be honest about how I talk about my disability and how I talk about how my disability impacts me and how it is able to help me and in some way hinder me. And I feel that introducing myself as a disabled theatre maker with a keen interest in directing, writing, and dramaturgy makes other people feel that whilst I am disabled, I am still interested, I am still very passionate about this, and I am still able to work in a way that is functional and is able to and helpful to the person I'm going to be working with. And I think I know that they are able to understand my limits and my needs. And I feel that in today's society, whilst there is still so much discrimination, many people when they are faced with an autistic dramaturg they they do feel in the end they can warm to us and they can find us helpful and creative and able to work in a way that is beneficial to their needs and in the rest of my application i talk extensively about how my my life as an autistic dramaturg gives me different strengths to others in some cases strange strengths to others how it has affected my style of dramaturgy and how it sort of can make me very passionate about one thing. If you get something that I'm extremely passionate about, you will get my undivided attention and have me work very well. Because when I can get a special interest in one of the topics, I can just research and read for hours on end about the topic. And I think that, that in many ways, a dramaturg is somebody who has to have an extensive knowledge about 
a particular topic. And, and I can be very, very good at having a breadth of knowledge on one topic and then link it well with other topics. And I think that's what will make me, in terms of dramaturg, a good dramaturg. And I think that it has been something that I've been told I'll be very, very good at as being a dramaturg. And I think, I think in many ways, being a dramaturg is a very, very good job for people who are interested in one topic and can read extensively well on one topic. Because at uni, that's what was, that's what happened. Like, I'd be assigned the dramaturg role because I would just read because we'd had a topic we were assigned for our performances in in for the assignments for theatre, and I'd just be the one that reads everything about the particular topic, and it just it would just be the job I was automatically assigned to do because it was the one thing that I was very 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 good at, even though my true passion is directing. I also feel that because in theatre we have the topic of a of a triple threat with someone who can sing, dance, and act, but we often forget about the director, the writer, the producer, and the dramaturg, and they are in many ways the most important part of a performance because you can have this vibrant, colourful show with beautiful singing, amazing acting, and just wonderful dancing, but if the story isn't good, if the directing isn't good. If the costuming and props aren't good, you don't have a very good show. You have a terrible show with good acting, good dancing, and good directing. And for the most basic theatre viewer with the limited knowledge of how theatre actually works, that can be very good. But for the more discerning theatre viewer, nah, that's not good. That is terrible. And I think that Physical theatre needs good directing and good acting. Because physical theatre, when done well, it's phenomenal. Physical theatre, when done badly, uh, that's not very good. And it's pretty easy to tell when theatre is not done with a dramaturg because it is just so wooden, it is so unresearched, it is so... It's just completely bland and uninviting whereas a dramaturg can just transform the most basic show into something that is so powerful and so beautiful and just working with somebody who can who understands what the writer wants and what the writer is looking for can just gather up so much information about a topic and just completely completely change the way the theatre is made. And now we're going to be talking about another issue that I find to be very disturbing. So an Australian comedian by the name of Nikki Osborne, this story occurred in 2018, so he's quite old. She um, presented a, what is believed to be her debut comedy show, and one of the skits involved her mocking her autistic son, who at the time was six years old. And some reports even say that the son himself knew what was being said about him and was, was upset by it. And I think that... There are not that many um, real articles talking about this issue. It did really um, only feature in a very small amount of news. But it is very, very disturbing and quite shocking that um, she would make comedy routine and how anybody even greenlit this or how anybody even thought that presenting this as part of their venue was even a good idea. That article... From what the article describes, it is absolutely shocking and 
some of the um, recordings, because there's not that much was actually recorded because the show itself was it was heavily cut and what was included was not what actually was initially planned to be included. It's very hard to actually find any articles about it. The reason why this is extremely concerning is because this this comedian, Nikki Osborne, has since this had some very high profile works that she has been participating in. She's been on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here and a couple of other things. She's verified on social media as well. So the story is that in 2018, this Brisbane mum, and she has two children, creates a stand-up show based on her family's experience with autism called On the Spectrum. And she wanted to challenge people's perceptions about the disorder, but the way she did that was basically mock her own son. Unfortunately, this scandal just gave her a bunch of free publicity. And I think that every autistic person has the right to be angry about this. I think that I have every right to say that this is disgusting. This should not be made and this should not be acceptable to be presented in any venue who takes on an act knowing that it has this sort of content in it. I think is only contributing to the amount of ableism that there is in society and in many ways autistic children are treated as things. They are treated as props, they are treated as comic relief in a family, they are not treated as human beings, they are treated as a thing, a burden upon society and upon their families and it is so horrible that somebody thinks that they could ever make light of their autistic child and just treat them as a comedy routine. And I know plenty of autistic and disabled comedians who would happily have taken a comedy gig at this venue and the fact that the voice of autism is the mum of a child who openly mocks her child and probably knows how upset that her child is about this. This makes me feel how much of an able society we live in, how hard it is for autistic people to tell their own stories and how easy it is for ableism to be perpetrated through society. And I think that it sort of goes back to when Jenny McCarthy was one of the most famous women in the world and openly exploited her autistic son and would openly discuss unethical treatments and actually led to a mass movement against vaccinations. And I think that the fact that she is given this enormous platform, but autistic people who openly oppose the anti-vaccination movement and called it out for what it was, which is pure ableism, almost never received even like a little sentence in a news article. They never even got that much of a mention. It just proves that the stories of autistic people need to be told by those with autism and not by their parents. I don't know if you've been on YouTube lately, but there's this little video that often pops up called autistic boy brings joy to everyone and it is and whilst it is a massive upgrade from all the other and it's a much more open and heartwarming video than a lot of the other videos that I've seen of autistic people just being seen as the burden in a family is not really reflective of what usually happens in the classroom it's usually the autistic child that is the most bullied of all of them and not the one that just brings joy to everyone but just to be seen as this sort of heartwarming innocent perfect child who's incapable of any mistakes or causing any issues is just as harmful of a stereotype as being the burden. And you know what the worst thing about this um, comedy show? She's brought it back for another season and she did it back again in 2020. I believe the um, gods just decided no and they just sent a giant pandemic to stop her. But well, she did it again. See, I can make comedy as well. It's not like I studied for five years at uni to become a thespian and now I want a job. But yes, 
dear neurotypical people, we are not your heartwarming burdens. We are humans with our own identities and we're going to be telling our own stories. And we have every right to speak up and be angry when people say offensive things about us or use us as the punchline of their jokes. One of the most bizarre, in my opinion, um, is that with things like Centrelink and the NDIS, if you're in debt with them or if you've made a claim and, you know, they've overpaid you, you have to pay them back, which I think is just, in my opinion, completely silly. The money's yours, money was given to you, you shouldn't have to pay it back. And so another thing is that the NDIS has the same thing. And the NDIS can do what's called recovery of NDIS amounts previously paid to supports. The National Disability Insurance Agency may recover an amount for your compensation payment. This is a recent, this has only been out a couple of days now, but a man, a quadriplegic 66-year-old man, has been asked to pay, I don't even know how he, how long could even get this much money, one and a half million dollars he's been required to pay back the NDIS. I don't even know how somebody is able to acquire a million and a half dollars themselves and how somebody can expect this person who is, he's, this person is quadriplegic, he's 66 years old and he now has to pay this much money back to the NDIS when he's disabled. To protect the person's privacy I have changed some details of the story and some details about the person. Okay, there are people who take advantage of these systems and those people are disgusting and they should be required to pay back money they have stolen because that is stolen money. This is money that has gone to a person with a disability to support them. This is not stolen money, it is money used correctly. Many of the issues faced amongst disability funding in Australia are the income in many ways can be counted against the reception of benefits. So in this case, this family received a court payout due to the injuries that caused the person's paraplegia. And that payout actually counted towards the funding they would have received from the NDIS. And since that payout wasn't disclosed to the NDIS, as it was not counted towards the person's income, they actually were not entitled to receive any money from the NDIS and now required to pay back the money that they received from the NDIS. They are entitled, in my opinion, to both groups of money. They are entitled to compensation for the injuries that they received from a company that was clearly negligent and clearly committed a crime of being negligent and could have killed this person. And they are fully entitled to the money that they receive from the NDIS to support them with their disability. In many sort of disability funding, they will also count the spouse's income towards the amount of money. And with many men still being the main earners in families, this leads to a lot of misogyny because it often believes that um, women are not entitled to receive their own money and they're required to ask their male partner or husband for money.